everybody. Welcome to the Vel News Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Delaney, and today we are talking Cyclocross World Championships. And we have two distinguished and slightly crazed gentlemen here joining me. Six-time national cyclocross champion, Tim Johnson. Bijou to- Oh. Oh, that's you. <laughs> All right. They're already confused about who they are. And six-time chef national champion, Bijou Thomas. How are you, Ooh. gents? Doing great. My God. It's, Could this day get any better? I don't know. I don't know if this podcast can can hold you know both of you together. So so listeners, bear with us if this bulges out of the sides, you know, this these things happen. So we want to talk two two main things today, gents. One is the bike racing part. We'll get to that in the back half of the show with Tim, cyclocross commentator extraordinaire now. Uh, now that you know, you're just too old for the bike racing yourself. And uh-huh. then, uh, but first up, let's talk food, Bijou, especially. And uh, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite things to do besides the bicycle part. Now, Bijou, you're heading down to Fayetteville. The worlds are January 29th and 30th. You and your sidekick, Dr. Alan Lim, are cooking for Team USA. What does that entail? We just wrote a story about how uh, Team USA. A is sending 38 athletes. So there's going to be a lot of mouths to feed. What, what does it mean That's to cook, a, cook for a, a full? Well, it's, full uh, it's going to be a lot like cooking for 38 Tim Johnson's. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, the last time, <laughs> it's a good way to put time, it. The last time cyclocross worlds made it to the U S Tim and I were holed up together in Louisville, Kentucky was the, the course was so dang cold and snowy. Actually, it was rideable. I remember it was muddy and cold, but it wasn't miserable as Nationals was. But was that your first big cross race besides like the USGP? Yeah, I think so. Other than following you around, that was the first really big one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we we spent some time in LA before that and then made it up to sunny Kentucky with like an impending flood coming down the river. Yeah, yeah. They're like, like, hurry up, get this race over with before the water gets here. Everybody out. Yeah. So I think um, it'll be it'll be pretty similar in Fayetteville. You're gonna make some of the same foods. Well, I, I was hoping we would start with the fact where I don't think Team USA has yet announced all the riders. Um, they just the did. Oh, they did. Okay. Well, they have. I'm, I'm a minute. I'm a minute behind you guys. But I was. We gotta say, catch you up, man. You've got to go to this. You got to go to the internet and visit this website, velonews.com. There's all sorts of good tidbits in there. Most of it's even correct. But yeah, with 30, 38 riders from TMS across the elite women, elite men, and uh, on down the age ranks. So that's what I'm saying. You've got at least 38 riders plus staff, plus probably Tim and myself showing up looking to see what you got cooking. So I I just booked my hotel and I'm in the same hotel as Team USA. So I know where I'm going to (laughs) eat. So I was going to say, while we're waiting on the riders to be announced, Team USA has officially you know, announce its culinary team, which will be Dr. Alan Lim representing Scratch Labs, and I, Bijou Thomas, will be representing the outside family, Vela News and Peloton Magazine, uh, as well as Cycling Tips. I'll be there. The two of us will take care of all the riders, the support staff, the coaches, the team, anybody else who's around. Um, We start on the 26th. Um, I get there the 25th, 26th onward. We take care of all the meals, make sure the riders are well looked after. Um, that's it. So we have like 45-ish people and all the meals and everything related to that out of a hotel. Um, I think we're going to bribe the hotel into letting us use their kitchen a little bit to at least wash and 
make sure that we have a place to store all the things, but this is nothing new for us, right? No. <laughs> I just picture Tour California. I picture uh, USA Pro Challenge. I, I picture, you know, your house or Alan's house. Um, but how are you going to keep everyone warm, well-fed, and feeling <laughs> like they've got the weight of the world, sorry, the weight of the country on their shoulders, but yet they can in handle it. In a good way. In a good way. In a good way. In a good way. Well, Tim, I don't know if you know this about me or not, but that really is <laughs> one of the one of my strengths, if you will, is helping to make sure that our athletes and participants feel loved and looked after and can focus on riding their bicycles. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot because it's so much pressure on our riders because we've got you know whether it's um, we've got quite a few that are favorites for podiums, and I'm going to let you fill in the names later, but. Uh, it's so cool to be in their home turf, wearing the jerseys, wearing the national jerseys and with expectations and a lot of hopes put on them. Uh, my job is to make sure that their rest of their day is lovely and pleasant and enjoyable and friendly. All the things that I can do. If it is cold and snowy, are you going to complain to the riders like you did with me? Or is that <laughs> something we've worked through? Hey, Ben, I don't know if it, so one of our road trips, we were driving across country years ago to get Tim to some cyclocross race. Uh, I made him oatmeal in the morning before we had left, and Tim did not bring a spoon, so he just ate with his toothbrush. The whole time while we're driving, he was eating oatmeal out. out of a bowl. Time yeah. out. He was eating oatmeal with a toothbrush. Yeah, he was. So, so you, he, I'm, I'm looking at you two on a video, so you could show me the mechanics, <laughs> but just, like, is, is that used, like, as a scraper? Because you you can't really get much on a toothbrush to put that. That's a lot of bites if you're using it as a spoon. That's I'm not an had. animal, right? Uh, I'm not some kind of like, <laughs> mm. you know, pulled out of the, the back of some vacant lot. Um, yeah. I had I had a bowl, literally the best oatmeal ever made. And it's in a bowl. It's six inches away from my face. I have nothing to get it from there in the bowl <laughs> into my mouth. I'm not going to use my hands. So right next to me i had a toothbrush because i you know believe in oral hygiene <laughs> so i used the toothbrush thinking you know what a toothbrush is always in my mouth anyways i might as well you know use it in and out of my mouth and it worked fine it unfortunately it just grossed bijou out and he couldn't yeah. stop talking about it to this day <laughs> all right i know you all have a lot of big things to talk about before i go no i want i, some, I want some pro tips yeah but go ahead go ahead BJ. yeah tim i got a couple of questions for you for visitors spectators for chefs coming in from Boulder who are looking for places to go grab a coffee, grab a beer, a great dinner. What places do you recommend in Fayetteville and or Bentonville? Yeah. So, you know, to be clear, we're talking about Fayetteville, which is yep. hosting cyclocross world championships, uh, which is nearby to Bentonville, uh, located in Northwest Arkansas. So like picture that entire uh, upper left-hand corner of Arkansas being the center of all cycling. Um, so in Fayetteville, so you have got University of Arkansas um, for cycling fans. It's been the Joe Martin stage race, various other bike events through the years. Um, Dixon Street is kind of the main drag where all the all the places are. Um, down on Dixon Street, so you've got a couple things. You've got some music venues. You've got George's Majestic Lounge. Um, you've got one of the Esquire magazine's best bars in America oh, called cool. uh, Maxine's Taproom. Um, quote, became a surrogate mom to generations of college students. Now, isn't that great? Isn't that just something you want to? That's you wanna, fantastic. You want to go visit that, see what it's like. Um, but great craft beer, 
Um, Onyx Coffee Lab is located in both Fayetteville and Bentonville, and that is primo, primo coffee. So anyone following fourth wave espresso coffee knows what that's all about. Um, actually, Bijou, are you going to participate in the coffee search? I hear Alan is going to be. Uh, I feel like that's a regular thing shops. for us. <laughs> I feel like that's a regular thing. Um, what about frites? Where does one go in Fayetteville for frites? I think at the venue. So ah. at the World Cup in October, they had a killer little food truck scene. Um, I got I got like a fast pizza, you know, made after I ordered it. Um, really good coffee on at the venue. Um, no, they they do food and beverage really well. So you'll Not definitely fun. eat and drink well. Um, and do we see a lot of Belgian beer flowing around Fayetteville? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, the, the beer scene's solid. Yeah, there's That's really awesome. good stuff. Yeah. Um, you've got the college kids, high volume, low buck. Um, we'll definitely get you drunk. And then, you know, for the rest of us, we've got a little bit more refined taste, a little more IPAs, um, perhaps even a little bit of Belgian triples. Um, but yeah, no, count on it. You will find good food and beverage. In I Fayette. love it. Looking, looking forward to it. So, Bijou, I know you've got to run, get to your lifestyle of the rich and famous <laughs> Give us a, a few pro tips, if you would, Nick. What, what is a, a, a secret sauce meal to have right before a race? Now, we've already established that, you know, six-time national champion Tim Johnson goes for oatmeal with a toothbrush. Uh, what, what, what do uh, other riders like to have right before a well, race? Pre-race meal, Bij, yeah. want to get into that. Are you going to tell us, Tim? Well, no, sure. you. Oh, all right. So, um, you know, what, what is the, Tim, what are the race times? What are the distances on these? So, uh, funny you should ask, I have a red in front of me. So, there's a new event on Friday, uh, the Relay, and that's at 1230 uh, in the afternoon. Um, and that includes one rider from each of the six races per country. So, that would oh. be really cool. So, junior men, women, um, under 23, uh, you know, men and women, um, and then elites. Uh, but then Saturday and Sunday, it's pretty similar schedule. So 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 1 p.m., and 2.30 p.m. So each day. So, you know, pre-race meals, generally, I think I was hitting, what, rice and eggs, ton of sriracha. That was usually like two hours before for me. Yeah. Uh, and then a little snack just beforehand. Yeah, and the big thing is going to be just consistency over the next – um, we get there a couple of days before the races, so the riders will have a couple of days to get comfortable and settled in with us and the volume of food that we put out. And, of course, they've got all their coaches and trainers with them to kind of guide them individually on what works. But ultimately is really good, solid carbs, um, some good uh, protein, and make sure they're getting enough fiber at night, that their stomachs are working properly. Everybody feels like a ballerina when they jump on their bike in the morning. That really is the goal. Load up proteins, fresh vegetables, whatever you can get at night. Clean, dense carbohydrates and good fats in the morning before you get on your bike and just crushing it. Right, Tim? Here's my, here's my chance to say that I didn't really learn how to eat until I met Alan Bijou. And so I fully believe in, in what Bijou's saying right here. Um, you know, it's hard. You get nervous. You don't have a ton of time. You're trying to fit in practice. You're trying to like think about the things associated with the race itself, tire pressures and bike selection, wheels, whatever. Um, it's nice to feel like a ballerina when you're going through those <laughs> thoughts. 
right? Yeah. Just think about that. Just imagine yourself light and floating on your pedals when it comes race time. And even that, you got to train into that, right? You got to train to eat right, to sleep right, time the things, make sure you're drinking enough. When Tim and I were on the road, I would constantly hand him a bottle of water, a bottle of something to drink yes, all the time. Mm -hmm. Just make sure he was constantly hydrating, hydrating, hydrating. And at night, give him a bottle of scratch to sleep with so he could get up in the middle of the night and have to go beep it. That was like, it's those little things that get into those little habits. And it helps to have someone to look after you when those big, important days are looming. Well, as, as Bij has always said, it's better to be full of confidence than full of yeah. <laughs> other, hey, other stuff. What a guy, huh? Unbelievable. <laughs> Quoting me for things I didn't even say. I'll take it. Yeah, so many, many writers and then people like Bijou and Alan have often spoke on the stress that comes with traveling, uh, just the logistics of it, whether it's a language barrier or just finding, not, not being able to find familiar food. Uh, so it seems like one advantage Americans might have this go round is being in a familiar environment and particularly having a, a chef that can you know make them uh, some familiar treats so they can be focused on whatever is going through their pre-race jittery brain like tire pressure or just you know getting to the start on time is there you know tim you talk about having a little snack right before uh, right before a race did you have a go-to thing uh or was it just like whatever gel your sponsor had handed um, you that morning well so now now i know a whole lot more uh about glucose and and your body's response to sugars but um i was I relied on right at the last second was usually some untapped in a, in a, in a like gel packet, you know, untapped maple being the syrup. maple syrup from maple syrup, Vermont. Yep. Um, because it doesn't freeze. So you can eat it when it's freezing cold outside. Um, but for a snack, like a hard snack, it was usually like some kind of a bar. Um, I never really got stuck on any one thing. That was, that was also one of the benefits of like being around, people like Bijou and, and Alan was that um, it taught you to make better choices rather than say, I can only eat this. And if I don't eat that, then my day is messed up. My race will be a failure. You know, I will cry myself to sleep at night, whatever it is, because a lot of, uh, a lot of endurance sports and athletes generally get into a routine, but sometimes there's those routines can be really bad because they just end up kind of pigeonholing themselves in a corner and they can't get out of it to save themselves. So yeah, there's a benefit to being able to race at home. Um, but I think adaptability is ultimately what you want to have, especially as a, as an athlete is like, you're focused on the race. You don't need to focus on your food. You just need to be able to make smart choices. Bijou, I, need, I know you need to run here in a bit. How about right after the race? Is there a post race or uh, a smoothie or a snack that you like to be able to have to, to hand to the riders before they get back to the hotel and shower and all this is there? Absolutely. So um, Scratch is a sponsor of USA Cycling and Alan is coming out there. I'm out there. We um, Scratch makes some tremendous after or recovery um, shakes and smoothies, which we will have. But we are open to whatever works for the individual rider because I know some of the riders just love a bowl of cereal or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Um, whatever works for the individual person, um, we are 100% on board to support them. And in the first day or two, well, as soon as we get there, we'll kind of figure out what everyone's patterns are and what works. And then my job is to make sure that it's ready and available for them. So if you want a turkey sandwich, as soon as you cross the line, 
I will get that for you if you want a sack of marbles, whatever you want, whatever <laughs> works for you. <laughs> well, the, whatever works is actually a good thing to talk about because if you're a fan going to Fayetteville, which you should be going, everyone should be there because you're going to you're gonna get to the Monday after that race and be like, shit, I really should have gone. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll present this challenge. Anyone who wants to see some of the biggest stars in the sport should seek out, um, if there is a Hooters, I'm not really sure if there is one, uh, <laughs> any other kind of fast food because in Louisville 2013, if this is any indication, I'm pretty sure that the entire team from Belgium, their hotel is right next to the Hooters at the river by the bridge. And I think that they ate there every single night. I could be wrong. Um, so if you so, so just to clarify, see, you're, you're not proposing Hooters for fans as a culinary stop for themselves, no, 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 no. but as fans of European athletes, if they want to engage you know, take some selfies. Uh, never I mean, everybody goes there for the wings anyway. So mm -hmm. it, all, it all ties together. And for those of you who can't make it to Hooters for the wings or aren't having Bijou personally hand you a turkey sandwich or a bag of marbles, Bijou and Al wrote three, not one, but three cookbooks uh, in the Feed Zone trilogy. So you can you can check those out and uh, follow their lead on making some some tasty Snacks. Bijou, know you got to run. Appreciate you, sir. And I will see you and Tim Johnson in Fayetteville, if not before. Can't Thank wait. Thank you, Mr. Delaney. Thank you, Tim Johnson. I'll see you Peace. in a few days. Miss you, man. See you I soon. I miss you too. Talk soon, guys. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. And now we can talk about Bijou. Now we can talk about Bijou. Now Bijou <laughs> has left the building. Now, now it all comes out. <laughs> no, he's, he's a good guy, that one. I will say now that he's left the building, he baked up a few hundred biscuitos uh, for us here in Colorado. We were doing a, a fundraiser ride for those affected by the Marshall Fire. Right. Um, I've been doing a biscuitito ride for a few years just as a thing with my knucklehead friends where my mother will hook me up with some biscuitos from New Mexico. I'm a grown-ass <laughs> grown man and I get my cookies from my mother. I appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, we, we had a big group of people and I'm like, I don't have enough. Big, you know, Bijou, can you help me out? So, you count on him. Yeah. That's good. And he just delivered and delivered deliciously. So that's, the, that's, all the, that's all the smack I have to talk about, Bijou. No, that that's left. pretty heavy-duty smack and I, I wish you would have given some kind of a, a warning about that. But <laughs> no, I mean, he uh, I, to be a rider on Team USA and to have you know, access to good food when you, when you need it. Um, you know, as a, as a junior athlete, as a, as a young rider in, in the under 23s, or even as a veteran in the elites, nothing, nothing beats that for just having that as like a foundation piece, because I think that everyone's going to be in the hotel for at least five days. You know, you've got friends and family around, you've got the the all the other things that are pulling you in different directions at the race itself because you're a local rider your excitement levels off the charts i mean you literally forget to eat at times like that um and then who knows if it's going to be raining if it's going to be cold i mean what the weather conditions are like and so yeah they're they're really excited that that's a huge benefit yeah absolutely let's switch gears and talk race prognostication here Ooh. Well, let's, let's talk about the who's and the what's and the how's. You now you were in Fayetteville for World Cup number three uh, earlier this season, late last year. Uh, so you saw that course, and of course you've been following the, the sport closely. So let's, let's talk about the who's, uh, women 
and men. And the the, the biggest or a big story right off the bat is who's not going to be there. No Wout, no Matthew, which which is a bummer. You know, Wout came on strong, won nine of ten races, which is absurd. Um, yeah, you know, including two World Cups, he's decided to stay at home, uh, focus on the upcoming road season. Uh, Matthew Vanderpool said the same. So I, I just want to you you raced uh, in Europe as well you know, on Sonia Duval back in the day. Uh, how valid of is that a valid thing um i mean i realize you know jet lag is real and there's only so much time in the calendar but i mean what's what's your take on both wout and matthew skipping out on worlds they've each won yeah they've won seven world titles between them and it's 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 a bummer for fans that they're not coming it's a huge bummer for us for sure i mean we're the ones that that are definitely losing out on it I think there are two very different situations, though. One is at the top of their game. The other is trying to get back to the top. So, you know, Matthew has a, an, an injury. He's got he's dealing with knee injury, back injury stuff, which generally just means that you, you're off your game. And for him, being off your game is, you know, still getting on the podium when he does show up, but he's not at his at his best. Um, you know, he did find the last time he came to the U.S. He won junior world championships in Louisville. Um, but he also has the spring season coming on, on the road. Um, so I think it's, it is better for him to just wrap up, not continue to race cross. He, he missed Dutch nationals. Like it's really, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious that he's not in great shape. Um, and he should, should back off. Well, it's a little bit of a different story because he's at, you know, physical cyclocross peak, um, and road, fitness and it's just about the the demands on on the athlete you know he's a legitimate star in the sport as a whole he's a star in belgium um had uh, head folk or whatever it's called now um is at the end of yeah head news blood is at the end of february so it really only gives him six weeks from right now to get ready for that um and then his racing starts really to, to get going right after that. Milan San Remo, um, Strada Bianchi, things like that. So, you know, you add in COVID and it, and it makes that time go by really quickly. So I don't blame him for deciding that, you know what, this year isn't the year. Um, 2020 was insane for everyone. You know, the, the season was upside down. Um, the Olympics in 2021. So there's a lot of like that kind of, carried um carried interest from what you had to do to get through those two years so give them a give him a time to take a take a breath and you know it's probably going to be used well and he'll have a great 2022 season um i talked to him when when the news came out that he wasn't coming and it was just like hey man it's a bummer really wish you know you were here um and he he wrote back he's just like it's a really hard decision, um, but I think it's it's got to be the one that we have to make. And he felt bad, and you know he's going to be missed for sure. Um, so you know, look out for a message to his fans. He's 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 got a ton in the U.S. He has a ton in America. Um, English-speaking fans in general around the world love watching Wow, just like the rest of the rest of the world. So I don't know. It would have been cool to see him, but we'll have to make do without him. And it was still going to be some some great racing. It's not like those were the only two names on on the list. <clears throat> Excuse me, so you know, looking down at you know, just looking back at the uh, World Cup standings, 
um, and, and who is who. We've got uh, Eli Izerbit, who has notched five World Cup wins already. Yeah. Uh, Tom Pidcock's got a couple to his name. Uh, Olympic mountain bike most, gold medalist. Most recently. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's really on a tear. You know, going back to October in Fayetteville, um, Quentin Airman's, you know, came away with the win, and that was a huge, huge win for him. And he hasn't really been able to keep that momentum going. He's been struggling to get, you know, it onto the podium um, in the conditions. Who knows what they'll be like when they come around at the end of the month. But Pidcock's really the guy with the momentum, with, you know, a clear shot at what a Rambo jersey could, could mean for him. Um, so as far as having a favorite on the men's elite, it's, it's definitely Pidcock for me. Mm-hmm. Who do you think give Pidcock run for the money? Who, 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 well, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you know, what, who are the three you're thinking on a pot would be end up on our podium? Yeah, I mean, I think it just depends on the conditions. Tunerts is probably the guy that would be there no matter what. Um, but Izerbeat is, you know, Izerbeat, it, it depends on how these next few weeks go. Um, you know, missing out on Belgian nationals um, and then having to kind of pick back up again for the World Cup this weekend um, and then just before Worlds. Uh, I think it's just going to be, It'll be between those three for the most part. Um, Michael Van Tornout might might play a role like he usually does in the beginnings. Um, the course is, has a bit of elevation, especially when the conditions are bad. So it is going to be better suited to that rider who's either got blazing fitness or is a good climber who can who can really kind of get up and over all those rises. So in addition to the pedaling rises, there's also a, a pretty stout staircase. I can't remember if it's 34 or 43 steps, but... The, the, the Belgian staircase, which uh, turned into quite a bit of debate on Twitter because the Belgians have never called anything a Belgian <laughs> staircase. Uh, in fact, the last world championships that had a big staircase was actually in the Netherlands and Zadam. So it's even worse because it had nothing to do with Belgium, but it really goes back to being Boulder's fault when Valmont Bike Park was built. <laughs> and damn Boulder place, people. Yeah, they made the, the Belgian stairs. Um, yeah, it's a good run up. And, and it's awesome to to watch. You know, riders have to you have to get into it fast. You have to really um big long steps. Israel was like, you know, this tiny little guy and this huge staircase is kind of funny. Um but you know the rest of the categories too. It's 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 gonna definitely play a role in the race. Yeah, it's the the difference in rider styles is one thing I've always enjoyed about cyclocross. You know, for instance, when you and Ryan Trebon were battling yeah. back in the day, and uh, you know Trebon, of course, Tree Farm being what he's like nine and a half feet tall, something like There's this. There's no body shaming here, Ben. This is where we're completely open. I, I'm, not sh- I'm not shaming each other. I'm not shaming. I'm just trying to, you know, to paint a picture for, for readers who don't have an image of Ryan and yourself in their minds. <laughs> but, you know, it's similar to like a Vanderpool and a Tom Pidcock, you know, not exactly, but similar. But, uh, you know, point is there's like different ways each writer can attack the same exactly. course, you know, with, with Trebon having, you know, four foot femurs and a substantial amount of power. And then you just having such smoothness uh, to float through things and be so efficient about, you know, getting through tactical parts. Yeah. We see that with Vanderpool and, and well, Vanderpool for sure. Um, you know, and then in the women's side a little bit, you've got like, you know, pure horsepower, Lucinda brand 
Um, but then you've got someone who's like a magician on a bike, like Mariana Voss. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that is cool about cross is that you've got people of different body types, um, uh, going head to head all the time versus in the road. As soon as it goes uphill, you know, you immediately lose the riders who are larger in size and, and taller generally. Although Wout kind of turned that on its head by winning a Vaughn too, but you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, gravity didn't play a, you know, didn't do anything that day. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the women. Uh, Marianne Voss, ageless, un- seemingly unstoppable. Uh, it's, I'm running out of fingers and toes to count the number of, you know, world titles and Dutch national titles. Uh, she just won uh, ahead of Lucinda Brand for the Dutch national title. Looking at mm-hmm. the World Cup standings, it's pretty much all Dutch flags. Uh, she, uh, <clears throat> Lucinda Brand, six, in, including the, the the last three World Cups, have been her, and she's got the rainbow jersey mm-hmm. on her back. So those those are two clear favorites. Uh, but it's yeah, there's there's a lot of women who are still in there in the hunt. You know, Denise Spetsma, Fim Van Ampel, um, and then you know, to to go to the Americans, Clara Hansinger, third at Fayetteville. Uh, in a muddy race, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Pacific Northwest rider, you know, I would assume she was doing rain dances now in, uh, I, like in, we all are. We, well, we I all like awful. Yeah. That. Yeah. I mean, I think we need a, a national day of rain dancing to get ready for that thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it depends on what the course conditions are like, you know, Mariana Voss would be the, um, She'd be the Swiss Army knife, right? She's useful in every condition, anytime, no matter what the actual specific ask is for. You can always get it done with a Swiss Army knife, even if it's, you know, going to hurt a little bit. Um, I think she was disappointed to lose out on the win in Fayetteville the last time around, but she then took a break, uh, almost an entire month off, and then came back um, for Val de Soleil and, you know, gets second, I think, after all of that back and forth. Um, so I, I, I would, I would say that Lucinda brand is the odds on favorite, just based on the amount of wins and how she has won. Um, but I think Voss kind of fits in with that momentum category, like Pidcock. So I look, I look for her, um, you know, the Blanca Voss, she's kind of like the one I wish would do a full season of uh, racing cross, um, uh, just because the racing is so, um, it's so dynamic on the women's side. They've got so many people going for the victory. You've always got a Betsima in there who might just show up and be able to pull off a win. Um, and so when you have like a 19 year old, like Vash up there, it, it would be really cool to have her as like a player throughout the season. Um, so I don't know what her plans are for worlds, but then as far as Clara Hansinger goes, I, I, I would love to see her put together a race like she had the other day in Holst. I'm, you know, great, great, um, making up for a, a tough start. She's not known for her fast starts, a little bit slow off the line, kind of gets buried in traffic. And, you know, lap times wise, she's the only one out there who really wants a two hour cross race. Like, I mean, that would be, that would be <laughs> uh, a dream, you know, just double, double the distance, double the laps. Um, and say, all right, you know, oh, what, might as well do it up a mountain too. Um, and then we, Clara <laughs> would crush it. Um, so it just depends on the conditions. You know, I'd love to see her get a podium, um, you know, get another world championship medal for, for the U S. Yeah. Speaking of long distance, long duration cross races, 
Clara seems to do just fine at gravel when it's, you know, two, three, four times that uh, duration. Yeah, it has a lot to, very similar to cross. It's weird. Tell me about the course. Again, you, you've been there at Fayetteville called the, the World Cup. To just ask a dumb question, how much does a course influence the outcome? You know, if you have the, the same, same racers traveling around the world, racing on slightly different courses, how much does the course determine who is going to wear the rainbow jersey at the end of this race? Um, I, I think quite a bit generally, except for when you've got someone like an on-form love Fenerit, or you have a, a Vanderpool on the men's side, or if you've got uh, a Voss who's just like running on all cylinders and ready to go. The other category is juniors under 23s. Um, the course doesn't have a ton to do with it because it's, it's usually the first time that these riders really get into something like that at that level. And then it kind of gets shaken out juniors, junior. I love watching junior races because you never know what's going to happen. Um, you know, it, the only difference being is like, if a course has a ton of sand, you know, worlds two years ago in the Netherlands had, you know, it was like 70% sand. It was basically like the whole thing. Um, or if you get into something with a ton of elevation in it, th that's a real chance for it to, to make a big difference. The Fayetteville course, it was, uh, I think it's a great equalizer. Um, Iserbeet was quoted as saying it was like the best race course they've ever had because it kind of made it easy for everyone to feel good on it, you know, or have a skill that might be used because of the course. So if someone's a good climber, someone's got a good leg speed, can can treat it like a fast crit, a little bit of running. Um, so I think it's really got something for everyone. And it seems there's plenty of wide spots for passing. It's, you know, cyclocross courses have to sort of balance the, um, like getting the whole shot, that's a real thing, right? There's there's certainly a, a huge advantage just to a front row start versus being at the back and sitting there back almost track standing as you're watching the front of the race sprint. Not, not fun like to be two, at the back. Two corners no. ahead of you. Um, yeah. So clearly starting the front is, is a big advantage, but it seems like the, the Fayetteville course uh, isn't just one long single file no. thing the no. entire time. Although it is really unique because it's, it's completely purpose built. So, you know, Millsaps Mountain at Centennial Park or Centennial Park at Millsaps Mountain um, it's really like they have created the course, added, um, substrate and then sawed on top of it. And so it, it literally is a race course plopped on top of a mountain. Um, and it's built for us and it's also built for world cup mountain biking and hopefully the world championship someday. So it's, it has multi-purpose as far as that goes, but it's really made for TV. It's made for, made for racing. It's made for us. Um, you know, it came from the minds of the designers. A ton of work went into building the, the venue out, um, you know, parking areas and all the infrastructure that makes it great if you live nearby to go ride there. But for people who are going to be on site watching, you can, you can be walking across a kind of raw dirt rocks, and then right next to you is like a perfectly sodded cyclocross course. Um, so it's really unique how, how that is. It's, there's, I've never seen anything like it. And it's unique to, you know, the situation that we have in Arkansas, which is people are willing to get behind bikes and build a great set of infrastructure 
for mountain biking. There's like more than 500 miles of mountain bike trails around Northwest Arkansas. Fayetteville starts the Razorback Greenway, which is a, a bike path that connects all the cities in, in Northwest Arkansas. So, I mean, everyone's into bikes and it's just a cyclocross weekend. You know, this is just like our weekend to, to be the focus point. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. For folks who are going to be at the race, whether you know Arkansas residents or people are traveling in, where is the spot to watch? Like if you're telling your buddy, your buddies where to be, where would you point them to on course? Uh, well, a couple of things. So one is, um, if the weather's good, bring a bike, ride a bike, ride a bike to the, to the race itself. Um, cause parking is at a, at a premium. They have a shuttle service that will bring people from the base. So it's literally at the top of a mountain. Um, so you can get near nearby park and then take a shuttle up or ride your bike. If you have an e-bike, even better, you get bonus points and a high five from me <laughs> for sure. Um, but once you're, once you're at the race, really the central spot. So there's a kind of an open space that you can see the run up. You can also see, um, the finish line, the last couple hundred meters of the course, um, and food trucks are within a stone's throw. Um, and I also know that they're going to have extreme TVs and I think there are like 30 something cameras on the race course itself. So it's going to be great to watch on site and at home. Wow. Wow, that's like a like Red Bull operation. It's a legit, legit show. Yep, it's going to yeah. be awesome. Sweet. For those of you who can't make it to Fayetteville, GCN will be streaming the race in the U.S. Uh, if you're in Canada, Flow Bikes has got you covered. So those are two sources to watch in North America. But of course, if you can be there in person. Oh, yeah. No, nothing beats that for sure. Um I think uh, so. One one takeaway from October, uh, in between races, they're playing with the cameras. You know how they kind of like learn how the course goes, and the director is calling out different camera numbers. And we're watching the TV screen, and all of a sudden, it's the race course. And right underneath the course tape on one side, there are no no spectators in this one spot. There's an armadillo walking into the shot, <laughs> and then crosses the course under the course tape. I've never seen any, I've never seen one of those things alive. First uh, of all, um, I've seen them a million times. Road road. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this is my, my first live, you know, armadillo sighting. So I don't know, man, spectators that come in all shapes and sizes. <laughs> Humans, armadillos. Yeah. Come one, come all. Only the second time in history cyclocross worlds has been in the United States. Very much looking forward to it. Very much appreciate you coming on to lend your expect expertise to the podcast. Of course, anytime, man. I I can't wait. I mean, if you're if you're a racer and you get a chance to race in front of your home country at the World Championships, I, I was lucky enough to do that in Louisville with you know a bunch of other great American racers and fans. And I mean, it's going to be awesome. I, I the one thing I heard after Louisville was, I wish I had gone. <laughs> that was that was the number one comment um and then because of the situations at that race you know with like basically turning two days of racing into one was i wish i got there earlier um so make your plans book a place book a hotel get an airbnb whatever get yourself down there and go watch all right folks you heard it here from the man himself six-time national cyclocross champion all-around good guy tim johnson hey. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it there for this time, folks. Thank you for listening to the Velo News Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Laney, and that was Tim Johnson. Tim Johnson.
Oh, 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 oh,